you're listening to Four at the Back, and we're off to Euro 2020. Again, to all our regular friends, and if this is the first time listening, welcome to Four at the Back. Uh, there's three of us here with you today. It's me, Joe, and Maz. Neil is uh, has got better things to do, and we hope he's having a good time. We're uh, blaming Gareth Southgate for tactically messing up the name of our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might be taking a bit of stick all round in the morning. I think this might be the least of his his problems. Uh, so we just literally jumped on straight after England have drawn nil nil with. Scotland. On the one hand, England are now guaranteed a top three finish. On the other, the booze at the final whistle perhaps tell you all you need to know about the performance. So, uh, yeah, gentlemen, just dive in. What do you make of England's second group game, this nil-nil with the old enemy, Scotland? It was a very typical England of the major tournament performance, wasn't it? It was... um... I, mean, I just felt like we, we ran out of ideas very quickly. I don't really know what the game plan was once they decided to withdraw Foden. They put Grealish on, but then he, he didn't seem to get on the ball particularly often. They took Kane off, but didn't really replace him with their recognised number nine. And I think at the end of the game, when England should have been pouring everything forward, it said it all that our designated striker Rashford was somewhere on the left wing which is where you normally find him playing for Manchester United or for England Um, and in the middle was Luke Shaw and Raheem Sterling looking to get on so our two shortest players looking to get onto the end of a cross so I, I think there was there seemed to be some very muddled thinking I don't know whether it was the occasion getting to the players uh whether Southgate's bottled it tactically. I, th- I think there's an element of that, if I'm completely honest with you. Our best player on the night was Jordan Pickford. Any thoughts, Maz? I know Maz uh, is a lot more positive than uh, than we are, so it's going to be quite I, an interesting one. I think it's job done. I, I think Southgate's gone into this, and you can say what's he playing at, but you know he's not he's not looking to overextend in this game. I think he's happy with the draw here. Then I know he's probably the only try person. And win. I know he's probably not. You don't want to go insane at it in the last 10 minutes. Now, you know, if you're talking about earlier in the game, that that's fine. But I think in a game like this, you know, take out the occasion. Take out it's England versus Scotland. Take out all that derby feeling and the passion. Just look at it as where we are in the group. We got three points in the first game, a point and we're through pretty much in everything but being official. You know, why would you overextend in the last 10? That, that don't make sense to me. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, we shouldn't have pushed a little bit more forward early. But, you know, in that position, you certainly don't go and chase it in the last 10 minutes to try and get a win that don't, doesn't change much. You know, and, and and I get it. I get I'm going to be alone in this. And like I say, I, I think if this, if we did that against, like, Germany, 
No, no one would bat an eyelid. You know, it's because it's Scotland. It's because it's a game that on paper we, we, we should win and should win comfortably. And I agree with that. You know, don't get me wrong. This is a game we should have gone into and we should have won, regardless of how, how we set it out, how much we went for it in the last 10 minutes or whenever uh, during the game. But it, it's not panned out. But, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a disaster. I don't think it's a terrible result. And, you know, I... Scotland has said, I think it's a much worse result for Scotland. If if you look at it in the view of Scotland, who had a few chances here, I think Scotland should have gone for it a bit more. Because, you know, if we were there for the taking, if we, we played that poorly, Scotland needed to win here a lot more than we did. You know, I and don't that's how I look at think, it. I don't think we've played, defensively, I don't think we've played that badly. I, I thought Mings had a decent game again. No, Mings was fantastic. Uh, and I count was saying Pickford was our best player. I'd say Mings was. I think, you know, he looked so solid back there. I think it was between was, the was two, there, I think, I mean, Pick, was there a bad Pickford. player in? Was there a bad player in that back five? To be honest, with you, I actually think they all did a pretty good job today. Mings was was probably the standout of them, but you can't really get out of at the back. I mean, I, I, James seemed fairly anonymous in the first half. He, he, he did have more to do in the second half. Um, Stones obviously missed probably a one sort of guilt-edged opportunity to score. Um, I thought Shaw was solid, and yeah, I mean Pickford kept us in the game. Was you know did, didn't put a foot wrong. Even got out his passing boots in the in the second half, and uh, when he put Sterling through, it was, uh, it was you love to see it. But it, I mean, I, I mean defensively, uh, we I don't feel like we were we were under masses of pressure at lots of times. I think Scotland had their chances, and I think Scotland will be kicking themselves that they didn't take one of them. Um, particularly um, Lyndon Dykes had he had a couple, didn't he? Um, there was Che Adams, I think, had that opportunity at the back post, which he he slid, and it was a difficult chance, truth be told. Um, Dykes is shit, isn't he? Let's let's Dykes is he's fucking awful. Dykes is a squad player at QPR. Yeah, like, he's he's not he's not the kind of player who should be causing his problems. You know, Che Adams is a squad player at Southampton. He's not. He's not a first choice. These are not players who should be causing us un, you know, undue distress, really. But they did. Um, I think our, def- our midfield was very poor. And I think, you know, if you're going to go into a game and try and try to draw, try not to lose, you kind of want to have hold of the midfield. Even if you're not going to be particularly enterprising, you, know, you, you want at least one of your midfielders to have a decent game. But I, I can't say that any of them had a decent game. I, I think we did uh, in the first half. I think we pretty, you know, we didn't do anything with the ball, but we had the ball for most of that first half. We were just passing it from one side to the other. But, you know, we had it. That, they were chasing. The second half, you know, it, it uh, we didn't quite have that control. But, you know, we certainly didn't have Phillips having the blinder he had. He, he certainly wasn't Yorkshire Pierlo this week. It was He was a bit naff today. Didn't do much. Wasn't there. Rice was, you know, he, he was tidying up okay, but, you know, not much else. And Mount went totally missing uh, today. Shall I, uh, shall, I, shall I jump in? Because I'm going to be controversial because I don't agree with this idea that we went out to draw this game. I think we were just poor. No, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we went out to draw the game. No, no. But Joe asked yeah. a couple of times already, and I just want to point out that I don't think that that is not what I saw. I saw a team trying to win the game but executing poorly, and I think that that's one of the things that we can actually say is that you know we say Mount was anonymous. He was probably England's best 
your player that wasn't in the back five. You know, that that's kind of tells you everything you need to know about the rest of the way that they lined up. You know, oh, I understood. I understood why um, they took Foden off after a certain point in time, left Sterling on, because after a certain point in the game, Foden was fairly anonymous, and Sterling kind of grew into the game a bit. The less said about his obvious attempt to win a penalty in the second half, the better, because I've seen more convincing things in, yeah, like... Uh, Hands down a pin. I don't know what's going on there. Pen for me, all day. I agree. I, 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 it, it doesn't matter. He was caught. Yeah, that doesn't matter how light of a touch it is. He was caught. It's a pen. It is no difference that different than the Dutch penalty the other day for me. And if you try, exactly if you're trying to con, it's one thing to try and con the referee, but we're supposed to have a system where these things can be reviewed. And if it had been reviewed, the video ref would have seen that he was caught. And objectively, I mean, that's a penalty. This is why I don't really like watching modern football anymore, because there's probably you're probably right in the sense that, you know, you could argue that it's a penalty. But any game where that's a penalty isn't worth watching at the end of the day. I think the, the penalty in the Czech-Croatia game was was worse. That was more contentious to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I can understand why you would give it if I can understand a weird framework of the rules, but it's not one that I would have ever subscribed to where, you know, if you almost a rugby interpretation of you're not only responsible for your intent, you're responsible for the safety of the opponent, maybe, but even that isn't something I would ever sign up to. But anyway, the point I was getting at is that I don't think there was, a, this was a particularly negative performance from English, England. I think it was a bad performance and that's why I'm more worried about it. If it was, we went out to draw the game, not lose basically put ourselves through after two games and then go on to the, the Czech Republic, I'd be a lot happier. The fact is that having seen Croatia twice now and seen England versus Croatia and now England versus Scotland, my fear is that this group is four fairly mediocre teams and that's damaged any kind of optimism that I had at, coming out of the Croatia game. It could be, but it wouldn't be England without one shit group game, would it? You know, it's usually it, at it, least it, two. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's... You know, it's bizarre. I was thinking about this after the Italy game the other day and how good they are. And I'm like, how many teams have a good start like that and actually maintain it? Tournament football is often about peaking at the right time and, and stuff like that. And this is not me saying we're going to win it. You know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I hope we do. But, you know, I think we're, I think everyone's a long way behind France. And, you know, we're probably still a good distance behind Belgium for definite and, and probably a couple of others. Can we just talk about the, the the thought process behind the substitutions this evening? Because obviously we made two, didn't we? We brought we yes. took off uh, and we took Gre- off Gre- Foden, Gre- and, and for... Grealish and Rashford. That's right, yeah. So, so that tells me that once Rashford was on, Southgate thought there's not it's not worth changing anything else. He didn't want to change any of the midfielders. He thought they would they were doing fine, even though we as viewers thought, well, hang on, the, the something's clearly not clicking here. It's been a long season, and so if you've got the opportunity to rest players, it, it was weird because he clearly thought that was the best team to see out the rest of the match to either get the result that he was going after. So either you're going into the game trying not to lose it and it's job done, or you're in that game and thinking, you know, something's got to change here because we're not winning. Mm, so no, surely you'd, you'd make surely you'd make more changes. You you try and do something to to shake things up in midfield, or you bring on a number nine or something no. like that. No, I think this I is where I, I can't work it out. 
this is where I shade closer to what Maz was saying earlier on, in that you can you can go into the game trying to win it, but in the groups, if you get to 70 minutes, you start to protect what you've got. Because even if you are trying to win the game, defeat is a disaster, a draw isn't. And yeah, so I can see that there may have been a... I, I can see where you're coming from in terms of like there were more changes that I might have liked to have seen. But beyond a certain point... Some of those players were improving into the game. You know, Sterling looked a little bit better in the second half. Rice looked a little bit better in the last 20 minutes or so. And there, there was a point where he was just completely out of the game. Phillips was actively poor at one stage and then improved. So there's a maybe the sense of, OK, well, after 70, 75 minutes, whenever it was that Rashford actually came on and it was clear that it hadn't made much of an impact, you say, well, this is solid enough. We take a draw. I don't, I don't think it means that he went in for the draw. And I don't no. think it... You just don't uh, yeah. want to lose at that point. That, that's exactly that's exactly what I, I'm get, I was getting at earlier. You know, I think late on in the game, you're not going to overextend. Uh, see, I, I'd say Sterling always looked like something might happen for him in that game. So I, I kind of agree with Sterling being one of the front three mm. that stayed on. You know, um, Foden looked almost the same as the the uh, the first game. He, he looked like he could be a game changer in the first 15 minutes and then kind of disappeared off the face of the earth for, for, yeah. for much of it. And, and Kane was absolutely, yeah. absolutely abysmal today. You know, yes. Kane did nothing. And every time he touched the ball, he just looked like... He, he looked slow. He looked he like looked, bloody dyke is what he looked like. It's, he looked you know, tired. Yeah. He, 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 looks, he looks off the pace. and It's, it's hard it's work a, it's shopping a for a new club. It's hard work. Um, <laughs> well, especially when, when mean, you've got to know you've got to convince your new gaffer and that, that seems to be changing every five minutes. But, you know, I... I Jürgen Slinsman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, my worry about that number nine spot is, you know, I, I know I know you've got Ollie Watkins, you know, Calvert-Lewin had a great start to the season, but he kind of fell away. I mean... Is Ollie Watkins the guy to do that? You know, I'm I'm not sure how much either of those two would have done. So I, I, I can kind of even understand well, the Watkins was left out entirely, of course. So so he's yeah. not even an option. I can I can kind of understand the idea that yeah, yeah I mean you know you're either going to throw on Lewin, Lewin or, or Watkins. They're not both going to come on, are they? In in that situation, you wouldn't in any situation you would have thought on this show totally chasing a game. But yeah, I, I mean, imagine that Calvert Lewin would have played worse than Kane did. No, like I, that, no. that's it was he was abject today. He was he wasn't just like mm. not. Yeah, you could have gone he up was, to the, He was awful. You could have come up to the commentary booth and got Lee Dixon out and stuck him on the centre forward. Yeah, he'd have done a better job. It's like I said to you. It's like you I said to you guys. It's like I said to you guys at half time. There's an argument for bringing Kane off, putting Grealish on and putting Sterling up front in a false nine position. That that wasn't because Sterling had been amazing, although he was actually one of the ones, as Maz says, more likely to make something happen. But just because Kane was completely anonymous, and at least with Sterling on, you'd have pace to trouble them, if so nothing that, else. That's exactly it. And I think that's probably why he went with Rashford up top rather than than the others, you know. But yeah, I actually agree. I would have, I would have put Grealish on for Kane and, and put Sterling Central, maybe, you know, have him and Grealish chop and change a little bit. But, you know, we seem to like, uh, I've noticed in those first two games, we seem to like dinking those little balls over, whether it's, you know, the fullbacks were both do- were doing it in both games, all four of them were, were always on the lookout for that. And, you know, certainly Mount is always looking for that type of ball. Mm. And, you know, that's where Sterling, you, you thought Sterling might get in, you know, 
it happened a couple of times in the first game, a couple of times in the second game. Tonight, his first touch let him down. I think there was yeah. once where it was uh, Foden as well, wasn't it, early on? And, and his first touch let him down as well. Yeah, but, quite comically. You know, that was, that's the type of movement that, that's dangerous. And, you know, when you've got guys coming off the wing to do that, that that's great. But it's not, that's not really Harry Kane's game. You're not going to put in Harry Kane like that. You wouldn't have thought, you know. Do we, so, do we think that Kane just isn't comfortable playing in the system? Like, obviously, in the, the Spurs approach, he, he plays a very different role for Spurs these days. And is there an argument to say he's just, he's just not comfortable straight out of nine anymore? Or is it just an off day? I, I don't think we can just say it's just an off day because it's now two off it's days in a, off in a days, row. Yeah. And I don't know if... Scarisaka has the time to work out if it's comfort in the system. He either needs to say Harry Kane's my most important player and shift the system to accommodate him, or he needs to re- replace him. I think I'm, can, I'm already can I, at that, can I ask a at that point. I, I'm going to ask a serious question, and I know yeah. he's currently the Golden Boot holder for the World Cup. But mm. has Harry Kane ever had a great game for England in a tournament, in a major tournament? Because I can't fucking recall it. Yeah, I can't remember one. No, yeah, I mean, half, I mean, half of those goals were penalties, weren't they? So, mm. it's... The, the only problem is that I think we've got a real serious problem at nine now, which is, you know, we saw it today. Harry Kane comes off, Rashford, who isn't out of form. Yeah. Striker, striker come winger comes on. The only other striker we took was Calvert-Lewin, who is a very different type of player, and I don't think he's the type of player who's going to work well with Sterling and mounted all that nice lint to play that they have going on and, and isn't going to work any better with the likes of Grealish. So I actually think that we may end up hamstrung because there we, isn't we, somebody well, to come into know, that role. And to be, be fair to Gareth, is who could he have picked for it? You know, it's not like he's well, left anyone at home that could have done Ollie it. Watkins. Really. It, would have been, it would have been Ollie Watkins or Callum Wilson. Mm. Like yeah, the, Ollie the, Watkins were... is used to playing with Jack Grealish, of course, so he's used to that kind of interplay and uh, and can move around. So, I mean, I am very much on the Ollie Watkins bandwagon for obvious reasons, but I didn't expect it to be something that I was actually banging on about during the tournament. But yeah, yeah Kane's been poor, and I think it's a real concern. Kane's been poor, but like I say, the way football is today, I, d- I don't think you necessarily need a, a you know stereotypical number nine up there. I, I'd experiment a little. Uh, like I said, I could understand try and rush it up there. But yeah, you don't want him drifting left that much, <laughs> especially, uh, you know, in the last 10 minutes of the game when, you know, you, you've got Grealish out there and he's pretty much getting in his way. So yeah, you know, there are options. I mean, could Jack play through the centre? Up to, you know, again, as a force. I, th- I, I think I was Grealish really would have shocked. to be the 10. I was really shocked that when Grealish came on, there wasn't really... I, I would have thought the plan would have been to get him involved in the game like to be the center of everything that england did but there didn't seem to be any kind of shift for that it was just he he just kind of slotted in and then just tried to he was looking for the ball but he was the the, the play didn't seem to be around him it was it was he, he just fit into the system he just fit he fit into the system and and but the system and, wasn't working no it wasn't working you know and that and, was you know that was the, the whole other... point of bringing him on the argument was that, you know, Foden, you could probably say the same thing that, you know, if Foden was getting the ball in the right areas, he could have done a lot more. And I don't know, I'd, just, I'd like to see a bit more interchange between those three that, you know, are, are playing in behind. Mm. I'd, have liked, I'd have liked to see Foden and Greedish play together, even even if Foden wasn't playing brilliantly. 
I think those two as a kind of a double problem to tackle it because you you couldn't follow both of them. Mm. I've just One had would thought. create space for the other, and I think just, by by taking Foden off for Grealish, we've missed a trick. I've just had a thought here, which is what if because we've both said now that Foden has started really well for like 10 minutes or so and then faded out of the game, which may be a youth thing, I guess. And I think you mentioned something about the interplay and the moving around between positions and, and so on. And that was actually the 10 minutes in the first half where England looked quite good. That was abundant. The You know, they were doing that all over the place. And mm. um, and it actually looked at that point like they were going to go on to win the game fairly comfortably and uh, until Scotland sort of got a handle on it and, and it recovered from there. But I'm just wondering if maybe the... Is there a case for Foden not starting but coming on late and kind of having that yes. 10 minutes against higher defences. Yes, what's yeah, what Foden and Grealish next next game? You know, I'd, I'd certainly not be against that. Try him out, you know, like you say, Foden's an exceptional talent, but he's also a young kid and, you know, he's not getting overexposed at City, but, you know, he, he's, he's in there with, you know, some really exceptional players at City. I don't think there's need to overexpose... Um, Grealish, uh, Foden, uh, at this point, you know, I'd I'd experiment a little bit in that last game if I was Gareth. <laughs> Bizarrely, again, I wouldn't be absolute. I wouldn't be disappointed with a draw. Seeing Czech have got the uh, the better goal difference now. Who would you like to see play in that final game then? Um, Sancho. I, I, yes, I'd, I'd certainly play Sancho. I, I'd like to see Sancho get a game. Um, I'd play both Dortmund kids as well. I, I I'd just play one of Rice and um, one of Rice and, and Phillips. Uh, I'd, I'd, put almost, I'd almost I'd almost be tempted to play Henderson with Bellingham. Uh, yeah, or, or even give uh, Henderson a run out if he's if he's ready for it. You know, if he's fit, let, yeah. Let Let's see Let's see what he can do. But you know, I'm, I'm interested to see those exciting players because we've been rock solid for two games. Let's face it. You know, it, even with in our preview show, we talked a lot about the defence and that being the question mark. And, you know, we've got a lot of attacking players. Well, you know, mm. it, it's been totally the opposite. Yeah. That defence has looked solid. Mm. Two clean sheets and not really looked in any major danger. Uh, Pickford's done everything that's been asked of him. We've had four different fullbacks play and they've all, all done well. And Mings has looked fantastic so far next to Stones who again is not not put a foot wrong so you know I wouldn't mess about with that defence too much but yeah I'd change things up in midfield I'd certainly experiment with that centre midfield pairing again Mount would you maybe give him a a, a roll a, a bit rest. further forward or a rest yeah one of one one of the two you know again another young player I'm not sure I worry about his engine. I think he could probably run for days and, you know, he was in and around everything and sort of connecting everything. It wasn't his best game as it was no one else's best game. But, you know, he is the only England player with a stat rating above seven and a half. And he did all right in a poor team and was the pick of a bunch of bad attacking you know, midfielders. So what I'd I, like to see with Mel, I'd like to see him come a bit deeper and try and, you know, control the game from a bit deeper and bring it forward mm-hmm. a bit. Uh, and so, I don't, you know, I guess if he's that, part of a two, if he's part of a two rather than part of a three in there. This was always the problem with picking him playing in front of Rice and Phillips is that in, in games where you're perhaps taking a slightly more defensive mentality, 
it's going to be Rice and, and Phillips operating in well much the same areas. So there's he so he there's not really space for him to come back to come deep. No, yeah, quite. Um, so it, it might be interesting to see that. You know, like I say, swap one of them for Bellingham, who who could probably get forward a little bit more. Have one sitter and then Bellingham and, and Mount sharing that load of of dropping back and going forward. Henderson, good captain. Not too sure what he'd add to the team that Rice and uh, Phillips aren't already doing. Well, I'm not um, sure Rice did an awful lot today, but uh, I take your point in general because he was pretty good against uh, against Croatia and he did the job admirably. Uh, my main concern with Henderson is how fit is he? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, it, it, you know, he's a leader. He's got that experience and that higher level of play that the other two don't have for sure, which, which is a obviously a big a big positive. But yeah, you know, I, I think it's certainly in the attacking areas you you'd be more interested. You know, I certainly think Sancho needs to stretch his legs, see what he can do. You know, probably pro- pro- start Greenish and Sancho in the next game. I, I can't see him. You know, it's the Kane thing that, that that's a worry for me. Though. I can't see him dropping Kane no. while we're, we're still in this position. And, you know, hopefully he has a better game. You know, we, we can say that. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I'd like to see Saka in there. But I think, I think the problem with Saka is he's not that dynamic you know, attacking player that you've got on the bench when you've got the likes of Sancho and Grealish also on the bench. Whereas I think you're a lot more likely to see Saka come on for England when he wants to shore it up a little bit. Just to internationalise this a bit and make it a little bit less about England, I'm going to just add that I think Scotland are going to be pretty happy with the the point that they got today and judged in on how Croatia played against England and how they played against the Czechs. I don't think they're going to consider themselves beaten. I think they'll think that, you know, there is a chance to finish on four points and put themselves in the mix here. Uh, Robertson played well. I thought John McGinn was this kind of ever spiky presence. It's a good, good outing for Billy Gilmore. Uh, you know, McTominay got shot back. Tierney and Grant Hanley both look good. And McTominay, I mean, I don't consider him in that kind of role as a general rule. I mean, maybe I just haven't seen enough of Man United. But I thought, um, other than a couple of high-profile moments, I thought McTominay kind of was fairly solid. Yeah, I thought Scotland played pretty well. Dykes is probably not at this level, but is playing to the utmost of his ability, so he doesn't look completely out of place. Adams, I think, has got more of a ceiling and, uh, you know, worried me a couple of times. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we did touch on the fact that Scotland did all right today. It wasn't just that England were poor and completely off the pace. Scotland stopped them playing and actually were able to create a few things of their own. You know, I think there's been a lot of positive things said about Scotland in both those first two games, but they're sitting there with without scoring and we're you know mm. with one point and you know while they'll still think they're in with a chance and don't get me wrong they are in with a chance with, with how Croatia have been so far if I'm going in that game on Croatia I'm thinking right we've been shit but we can beat this lot mm. but oh, I mean yeah. they, they, go, they go back they, they go to the Croatia game they've got to win they're at home I, they've got a chance haven't they I mean I, I mean Croatia have been they were poor again today so, you know, that they are not the team that that got to a World Cup final three years ago. They they are they are well off pace and I think mm. I think Scotland will fancy themselves against them. 
Yeah, I think they will. But what I, I would say, just to, to double back to Maz's point, is that I know exactly what he's saying because I heard it after the Czech Republic game, and I thought they were actually pretty poor in that Czech Republic game. I thought that was. I, I think I was sent agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was slightly, slightly patronising the way. Oh, didn't Scotland do well? No, they were actually after the first 10, 15 minutes, they were not good. But I thought they were good tonight. I thought they went up against a team with a lot more talent on paper and matched them. Mm-hmm. across a lot across the board pretty much and so yeah I, I'd agree with you as far as the Czech Republic game they were not good and they had to do a job here and I think they will say it's job done they've given themselves a chance in a tough group but there's actually not a great deal to, to fear from this Croatia team just as Croatia won't fear Scotland it could be a really entertaining game if both teams come out with the attempt to try and win it I mean, they've got to win it because the draw's no good for either of them so yeah mm-hmm. you're right it, it could be an absolutely fantastic game whereas you know uh, I, I think, you know, Czech Republic versus England, I wonder how hard either team's going to try in that one. Yeah. The mighty talents is best. Croatia versus Scotland is the game to watch on Tuesday, not England, Czech Republic. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Does anyone want to uh, check in on any last thoughts on the game that we've watched tonight before we have a quick run through some of the other fixtures? No, I just want to say, uh, as much as I'm not as negative as most of the country right now, we were still shit. And I yeah. think that's, uh, you know, it's important. We're not going to get to the semi-finals or have a chance of winning the Euros playing like that. I, I think with England, we, we often take our time to get going in, in major tournaments. I think the most concerning thing about this one is that we seem to be getting worse the longer the tournament wears on. So hopefully they can they can put a stop to that against the Czech Republic but uh, yeah mm-hmm. poor poor performance tonight I mean I'm probably going to go halfway down the, the line where yeah you don't want to peak too soon the flip side I guess is that um, we had we were poor I don't know if it, we can really say it's getting worse as the tournament goes on on the strength of two games uh, we've been worse in the set than we were in the first is about all you can can say about that but yeah it's I, th- there's enough obvious problems to worry me just about going beyond the the round of 16 we should still get through the group from here i suppose is the good thing and that gives you a little bit more time to play your way in to try a few different things and uh yeah we'll see we'll see where we get on i mean we don't even know who we're going to be playing in the next round yet and maybe it could be that that draw we're in a game that on paper we should win actually ends up making the next round a little bit easier for us we might end up being quite quite glad of it okay so i'm going to move us on so we last spoke to everybody on Sunday, which means since then we've had we had the first Scotland game against the Czech Republic, which we've all said we thought Scotland were actually kind of poor and a little bit overpraised in that game. So, which I'm guessing means we think that the Czech Republic were pretty good. Uh, then there was that interesting game with um, Poland Slovakia, where uh, the red card seemed to turn it and Slovakia ended up winning. And the other game in that group was the same day, which was the bore fest between Spain and Sweden. I mean, we really oh, are not fan- not Ooh. yeah, we're not fancying Spain to do very well on the strength of that game. I'm guessing. Yeah, like, um, good. they had no ideas up front. They just spent the whole game going from side to side. I think in the first half. After about 20 minutes, they'd had 90% possession and done precisely nothing with it. it yeah, it's... Sideways passes. You, you still expect them to, to go through. I mean, I mean, Sweden now on four points, aren't they? So you, you'd fancy they've got a good chance of going through as, as group winners, Sweden, which um, 
you know, and and the second place in in Group D, the one England are in, will face the, the group winners of of Group E. So, do you fancy Spain or Sweden or or Poland even possibly? I, I, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Even after today's performance, I, I I'd fancy a crack at Spain. I don't think that'd be the end of the world. No, absolutely not. You know, yeah. it could be the most boring game in the tournament. We've both just passed it between the defensive the, um, midfield game. They haven't got a striker. Our striker's completely off the boil. It, yeah, it, it could be poor. But um, I, I, I think Spain have actually gone from tiki-taka to tiki-tiki because it's going nowhere. So it's just you know, <laughs> to me, to you. It's like the Chuckle Brothers in midfield. It's just it's just <laughs> tiki now. Tiki, yeah. Tiki you off. Yeah. So the next, and yeah, the Chuckle Brothers is the the perfect analogy, isn't it? Uh, The next day after that, we actually got a first look at Group F, which is where a lot of the eyes are in the tournament, really. And Hungary put up a lot of resistance until they were finally beat late by a good number of goals. And that's probably going to be enough to put them out now, you would think. And then I'd like to apologize for that, by the way, because I turned the game on to watch the last five minutes. And like just as Portugal scored the first, and I'm like, oh god! And then I'm like, oh god! It's like Ronaldo was waiting for me. <laughs> that that third goal was absolute filth. Yeah, it was disgusting what he did on that third goal. <laughs> it's yeah, like credit where it's due. It's like I said on Twitter though, he passed some goal scoring record, and uh, you saw all the tweets online, and it's like, yeah, you can score as many goals as you like, but you can't make people love you, and that's the Cristiano Ronaldo story in a nutshell. Well, <laughs> yeah. When you so, celebrate like you did, when you've already, late on in the game, gone 1-0 up against a really bad hungry team in a game that you should win as the defending champions, uh, and you celebrate a penalty like he did. It's like, yeah, that's why people don't like you. Amongst other reasons. He, cares. he doesn't care. Of course he don't care. Of course he don't care. He can go drink his water all he wants. <laughs> Uh, so the other game, anyway, was France looking like they could have gone through several other gears uh, in the one nil win over Germany. Uh, obviously, we, Joe, you weren't there for that one, but me and Maz both kind of suggested France were the likely favourites for the tournament. Um, did you want to weigh in at any point with who you thought would win the whole thing? I mean, I I think it's France if they don't have some sort of intercamp meltdown, and obviously that has threatened with the whole Giroud and Mbappe beef thing. Pogba was brilliant. That's the best game he's played this year. He, he was superb. I don't know. It's one of those ones where he's, I think it's, it's almost so obvious to go with France that you think, well, the, the, they're, they've got a target on their back now. And they, I think they, they played well, but they only scraped through. I think it was, I mean, it was a good game, wasn't it? It was an intriguing game. It was an intriguing. I, I think that was it. it you know, it, it wasn't like an it exciting re- game, but it, it was it never quite quality exploded, football. Did it? Yeah. It was just. It was. It, it felt very much like a Champions League semi-final. It was kind of no one wanted to give any ground. Which essentially what it is in 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 a group mm. like that, knowing Portugal have got the head up, and you I know, mean, you felt that both teams were very aware that one mistake could put them really on the back foot in the group. Um, it essentially has yeah and it has yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it was a yeah fasc- fascinating game I don't uh, there, there are some people saying it was the best game of the tournament it's not the best game of the tournament 
It depends what. If you're looking for quality football, it was probably the best game in the tournament. If you're looking for excitement, no, it wasn't. Yeah. You it, know. That, that was Netherlands-Ukraine. Yeah, Netherlands-Ukraine. Oh, yes, without a doubt. So, can we talk uh, about Group A a minute? Oh, I was just about to move us on there, yeah, because uh, we went from Tuesday night to Wednesday, and Group A was really interesting. Which was first? I forget. Was it Turkey-Wales first? It was Turkey-Wales first, yeah. And yeah. I, I, that was a fun game, I think. That I, I was think actually a really good game of football, really wasn't it? Really game. open. I mean, Turkey obviously had been very poor against Italy, and we were looking yeah. for some sort of response from them. Wales... I, I think on paper, you'd th- think maybe Turkey was slightly stronger, but you've got, you've got those two you know, genuinely world-class talents in Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. And it was those two who, who made the difference in the end. <laughs> Despite one of the worst penalties you'll ever see. And, oh, yeah, it and broke it my window. I lived some miles <laughs> away from the ground. And arguably, it wasn't even the worst miss. I mean, Ramsey had two guilt-edged opportunities yeah, in the first half. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. And you thought, well, you know, and when you miss chances like that, you think, oh, it's just not their day. But It um, did not look like the, their day, did it? No. The ball from Bale to find Ramsey was just unreal. It, I thought Wales had two things going for them in that game, really, which was the speed at which they break. And, and James is really the, the core of that, although Bale was a lot more useful in this game than he was against the Swiss. But James looks so dangerous on that he's account. A, he's a good outlet yeah. for them, isn't he? And then the other thing is that ball in just behind the defense that of all players Ramsey seems to get onto more than anybody else and we saw it with they were trying to give it today with Sterling and they're trying to do that in, in the England game but the Welsh had much more success of getting into to Ramsey than pretty much anybody I've seen so far and I think it's really reassuring because when Turkey got on the ball they actually looked the much better footballing side in terms of the ability to stroke it round and pick it up and do nice looking things with it but they were never able to look confident because of just how defensively solid as a team Wales were, and then just how quickly they could counterattack and break. Yeah. And I think that's that's, that, that's going to be really good for them going forward. It, it's that quality, isn't it? And, you know, Bale is no longer Daniel James with that level of pace on the break anymore. You know, don't get me wrong, he's no slouch, but he's not quite, you know, where he was four or five years ago with that. But he's still such a very intelligent player and skillful player, which you, you saw with his pass and with his, you know, just running around the back on, on, on the second goal. And Rambo was like prime Lampard, you know, in, in that game the, the, where he was popping up everywhere. And yeah, you, you wouldn't mind Rambo jumping in on, on, on the back of some of these balls that we're, we're playing in over the top, would you? It's also, uh, just worth point, it's also just worth pointing out, I mean, massive credit to Robert Page, the, uh, the Wales effectively caretaker manager, because there's been a lot of distraction for the Wales camp coming into this tournament. With, Giggsy um, going to gigs, you know, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all we're going to say on it. But it's you, you think about, I mean, England, a couple of tournaments ago, sort of, it was Capello left just before the tournament, didn't he? Yes, um, 2012. And we basically wrote it off I and mean, Wales have come into this thinking, you know, we're still going to, we're going to get through the group. We're going to, we're just going to do what we can. And, it, and even after that sort of disappointing first game, they've escaped with a point. Now they're on four points. They're basically through to the, to the knockouts. It's um, so credit, credit to him for one, keeping the squad together two for, you know, keeping Gareth Bale engaged when he's, you know, the last couple of years he's had, it would be quite easy for him just to kind of go, do you know what, <laughs> what's the point? So, 
yeah, it's um, I'm interested to see what Wales do because yeah, I think they're, they're they're one of those teams that can they could beat anyone on their day mm. if it all goes right for them. Yeah, you know, I I think you know as far as Wales are concerned, this is job done. They were lucky in that first game that they, they didn't deserve the draw. They, they got it, and mm. I remember at the time saying, you know, that's a great point for them because Turkey are there for the taking, and mm. you know it was an open game. And you know their extra quality in in their star players has taken also, them through. But I think you know for for Wales getting to the second round is oh, is probably what 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 they were hoping for. And anything mm. more than that's going to be a bonus for them. So go out there and enjoy themselves now. So also, yeah. may not be the worst time to play the Italians. They what they won two games. They might just sort of rest a couple of key players. So it, I, I'd be I'm interested to see what they do against Italy. I tell you what, though, when I look I at that Italy team, I, th- I I don't I don't think it's about individual players that Italy team. It's about the no, it's not the setup they've got. They've yeah. got a fantastic setup, and it's if you've noticed, squad. every player that's come on, you've hardly noticed it. You can I just know- ju- can I just jump in because I wanted to get someone else in on the Turkey and Wales before we move on to Italy, and I just want to say that we have been because me and Neil um, both picked Turkey to be kind of dark horses going in and it was a fairly common thing that was out there we weren't alone in it but we've been shaky on the facts again because Turkey have not been great and um, we both I think we both all three of us even in that previous show both said that only one of the home nations would make it through the second round and Wales look like they're going to go through so we were wrong about Group A almost entirely Uh, Wales would not only look like they're going to go through but they'll probably have a fairly respectable draw in the second round so yeah uh just wanted to, to throw that in about the Turkey Wales game before we move on to Italy. And uh, sorry, Maz, you were you were saying about them. I mean, I think they've been great. So uh, you can carry us on there. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, they've been great. And you know, I, I think it's like I say, I think it's a system. I, 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 there's certain times where a system just grabs me. You know, those Dutch and Ajax systems. I love them. You know, I've gone on about how much I love that that old Dortmund '97 system. I'm not a big fan of systems these days. There's there's not many that re- that really call out to me, and you know, I'm I'm generally a, a big fan of you know four at the back and or or, or something that's more fluid. Uh, but there's just something about the way Italy shape up. It's just you know everyone's in there and you've you've got interchangeable positions and just I don't know. It, it's just it just re- really works for me and. Everyone seems to know what they're doing, you know, understands the system they're playing. So when they're bringing subs on, they're just fitting right in there. And they just look so good. They just look so strong. They know exactly how they're playing and they're going about it, you know, as opposed to England, who uh, I guess that that could be the criticism today. It's that, you know, people don't they know where they're meant to be playing, but it doesn't necessarily play to their strengths. Tournament football tends to be about the squad that gets to grips with their system the best, isn't it? And Italy have got a march on everybody at the moment. They they look, they know exactly what they're doing. They they threats from everywhere. In the first game, it was Insigne who was pulling strings. In the second game, Locatelli's, you know, one of those Immobile scored twice. Spinazzola down the left is looking like a threat. It's it, it, there's threats all over the place. So um, it's going to be a a, a good team that that stops them. Yeah, I mean, hard to watch. I mean, who who is most likely to have a big club sign them before the end of this tournament right now? Locatelli or Dumfries? 
Well, those are the cho- the choices, aren't they? You know, <laughs> talk about two players. You know, in in smaller teams or you know, in a smaller league. In you know, in terms of Dumfries, but two players that have just come out and just been like, "Yep, right, we're having this tournament." Yeah, so Italy. I mean, I I'm, I'd be honest. I'm a huge Mancini fan. Maybe it goes back to Sampdoria bias. I don't know, but uh, I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap as a coach. And maybe doing quite well in this tournament will be something that puts that right. You know, in England, there's that nice scarves, but you expect to win with that team. But I think some of the troubles that Guardiola has had in a couple of seasons maybe means that we're a little bit more alert to just how much of a project it can be building up these these sides. And I think the Mancini time at Man City in particular is worth a reappraisal now in the light of a little bit more time. And uh, maybe Italy will, and this tournament will be the prompt that we need. They are on course for a semi-final against France, which could be the deciding game in the whole thing if it plays out the way we think it will. So yeah, I'm going to move it. Yeah, yeah. The only other thing I'll just say about Italy quickly is obviously yeah, yeah. Um, Chiellini came off injured, didn't he? Yeah, with that and hamstring. You you didn't notice, and just go, and going but it, like the, the replacement that came on, it, it was as if it didn't have it. They they still played exactly the same way. There was no panic, and you know, and you think about the number of Italian sides that have fallen fallen apart at major tournaments because of you know squad divisions and things like that. This squad it looks like a like a proper collective like they're all doing this they're all working towards the same thing and that's 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 a really scary prospect yeah and they look really up for it. I, I think they're probably like slightly peeved that they've been written off this isn't this isn't a vintage Italy team that are coming in there because what I will say about Italy as much as you know I'm praising the system and you know uh, really good first couple of games for them so far they look like they want it more than anyone else right now at this point, you look at them in the national anthem alone. They want it more than anyone else. They are belting that out and they're taking that onto the field and playing the exact same way. Cellini's disallowed goal. Look at his celebration for that. My word. That team is up for it. That team is up for it. They're playing together. And there's no prima donnas in that team. You know, there's no egos. And there's often, you know, I mean, I don't know all these players behind the scenes, but on the pitch, you've not got these big egos that you you often have in an Italy team, these huge, skillful number 10s or or goal scorers or or wide men like that they have, you know, as good as Insigne's been. And he just doesn't seem to have the attitude of being... There's no arrogance about them. There's just a fight about them. They want to win. They're strong. They look dangerous. Everything about them makes them look really dangerous right now. That's what's kind of got Italy over the line in a number of tournaments is that that grit in the face of of superior opposition. I remember saying quietly in the build up to the 2006 World Cup, keep an eye on them. I know no one's tipping them, but, you know, they do have it all there if it clicks. And this side is actually no different. And the only thing that may keep them off is that there are some other sides that if things click for them should be better. But in 2006, those other sides didn't click, and it might be the same this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Belgium clicked for about 15 minutes the other day. Yeah, that was on Thursday. Uh, the, the two Group B games were Finland pushed Russia a long way, but Russia ended up taking the points there. I think we, what a uh, goal that was, by the way. How yeah. beautiful was that finish? 
Oh, it was, yeah, it was. I, I really wanted Finland to win that, and they, they had a goal disallowed early. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I, it wasn't the best game uh, of the tournament, but uh, it was it was a finish worthy of winning the game. So, and then in the other against the finish, yes, yeah, <laughs> and then the very, other game, very Dem- good. Denmark took an emotional early lead, but the introduction of Kevin De Bruyne was enough to turn Group B's other game in Belgium's favour. So they're probably going to go through as the group winners now, I think. So, yeah, that's probably set them up in, in good stead for the rest of the tournament. I mean, it sounded yeah. like it was... It, like, it sounded like it was... I, I listened to the game on the radio. Like, I, I was driving home from Bradford on there. Um, so I, I, I didn't I didn't watch it. But you, you could... It sounded like probably... If it wasn't the best quality game or the most exciting game, it was probably the most like emotionally driven game. Obviously, the Danes started quickly. There was there was the whole sort of um, the the tribute to Christian Eriksen after ten minutes, but it sounded like Denmark were all over them in the first half. They reshuffled it early in the second half. De Bruyne comes on, Lukaku shifts position, and it's is taken out of an area where he was kind of being, he was coming off second best to Simon Kier. And then all of a sudden, you know, with De Bruyne, Hazard on, Lukaku is all back in the game, they're 2-1 up. And then Denmark just have, they're throwing everything at Belgium for the last 20, 25 minutes and they just can't get through. And it, it, that, that's the kind of, those are the kind of games you love to see at, at tournament football, at these sort of sorts of tournaments, um, where particularly in the second round of fixtures, where you know ev- everyone needs a win, everyone has to win because either they're, if they don't, they're going home or they won't win the group or whatever it is. So it, it sounds like a you know, a contender for match of the round. Yeah, I only caught the second half. Uh, I was coming in from work, got into my hotel, and. and watch the second half but you know when for that you know 15 20 minutes where Belgium showed up my word they were good the, the quality they have in their attacking lineup at any one point you know you've got so many players who could just turn a game with one moment of genius and when you've got five or six players in your squad that can do that you know you're going to be a danger to anyone and as a team or played in fulling games might might not be as strong as other teams in this tournament but what they can do to a team at the drop of a hat you know is is scary and well, I, 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 I don't think they'll win it I don't think they'll win it I, I think they'll probably at some stage in the knockout stage it will be too little too late in that it doesn't quite come together for them and they'll get beaten by a stronger team who who are mm. playing better together. However, when when they're in full flow and they're playing that that, that football, my word, they're, they're they're great to watch. Yeah, I actually almost like splitting your uh, experiences again. I actually only saw the first half and heard the second half on the radio. So uh, I saw Denmark take the lead and I saw Denmark boss in the game, and then it just sounded like. I don't know if either of you are boxing fans, but there's a classic kind of boxing expression about, you know, the old one-two punch. And it did sound like very much like Belgium were able to like hit with the jab and then counter with the, you know, I, bring, bring, bring the cross pretty much. And then I they were actually, one up. I was actually thinking more along the lines of professional wrestling 
uh, <laughs> in the sense that it was, uh, you know, it went one way and then suddenly you had the uh, the interference from De Bruyne halfway through the match and it kind of reset everything. Um, and you were just waiting for, uh, you know, for a, a big disallowed goal at the end or something like that, just to sort of really hype up the drama. And unfortunately, it never, it never quite came. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, everyone as, was really as, as a story, as, you know, as a bit of narrative, it was, it was a fascinating game to listen to on the radio. And I think sometimes you can watch games and think, oh, oh this is a great game. When you get a great game that you listen to on the radio, that's when you know it's good. Oh, it's a different experience entirely because it's all story then. You know, it's yeah. not about all those other dimensions. So I think we've, in bits and spurts, covered the other two games that happened today, which was the Croatia 1, Czech Republic 1, and Sweden 1, Slovakia 0, which has kind of set up that Croatia-Scotland game and has put Sweden's group into quite an interesting position for uh, for that because no Did one almost watched see... that game, by the way. It, it I, I sounded didn't... like it, it should have been as sounded... bad as the first one. It I watched dross, a bit of it. Yeah. I mean, Sweden were better in the second half and Alexander Isaac looks he looks like a serious player. Apart from that, they weren't great. They won They won with a penalty. But they're top of the group. Like, What else would you want? And the Swedes are always hard to break down. You know, they've always, always been hard to break down. So so that was my, my reason for coming to today first was to kind of summarise that because they weren't the most interesting games as a general rule. So I thought we'd finish with last night's games, which were the Group C. So we had the Ukraine versus North Macedonia 2-1 and the Netherlands 2 Austria 0. I think I'll jump in by saying that Austria so far have slightly underperformed our uh, expectations going into the, the the preview show in particular. I sort of said this was as close to a golden generation as they had, and they did get the win that they were expecting against North Macedonia, but it hasn't been vintage. And then Ukraine looked pretty good at times against North Macedonia, but they still managed to concede. It's uh, it's a weird group. It is. I, I didn't. I didn't get to see the early game. I've not even seen the goals. So uh, yeah, I've not really seen how that played out. But, you know, Macedonia, not much to them. So if anyone's got any thoughts on that game, go ahead. I've not really got I, again, much to say about either of those did, teams yet. Didn't see it. Was was driving. It was. I mean, I'm glad North Macedonia have at least managed to have a bit of an experience. And they've, they've been competitive at least. And they've got a few goals. And it's not been... Again, they've not been there to make up the numbers, so to speak. Um, but you'd have thought that, I mean, both the Ukraine and Austria would have done a little bit better with them. But um, yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I didn't catch the, the I didn't catch the, the Netherlands game either. So I'll let you two let you two talk about that as well. I was sitting with my boss in uh, in a Warsaw hotel bar uh, watching that one, and uh, yeah, I rather enjoyed it. It was uh, good food. Good drink and uh, good football. I mean, you know, it, it was the Dutch again. They were they were there throughout. You know, they looked like they always looked like they might concede. But I think having the lip at, at the back, he, he he did look strong. You know, they've got their two two main centre backs now with uh, Van Dijk out, and you know they they're actually pretty strong in that department uh, at the moment. If Van Dijk was in. This is right. I mean, you know, Dumfries was uh, amazing down the right again. Depay, strange game. He, he he fluffed a couple of chances, hit a peach of a penalty, but always looked dangerous. And 
yeah, they they're looking good. I'm big Dutch fan of Dutch football, but I still do wonder what's going to happen if they do come up against the when they do come up against the better team. Not if because they're going to at some point. Yeah, they are through now, aren't they? So it's a matter of time. I mean, that was the the disappointing thing for me was that Austria offered nothing. It wasn't that the you know the Dutch played fine. There's, there wasn't a great deal wrong with with how they did and went about their business. Um, it's that this Austria team should be putting up more of a resistance than that, and it was half time before anything really happened from from their end. So yeah, there is that thing about the Dutch centre backs being an improvement on that first game where they looked very ropey. And they were very open against the Ukraine. They were better here and they didn't concede. And that will be a win for, for the Netherlands going forward. But yeah, there, that is the question mark about the, Austria for me. And all, I fancied them going into the tournament against the Ukraine. And now on the strength of just the first couple of games, you know, they weren't great against North Macedonia and they weren't great against the Netherlands. I'm sort of like, mm, I, maybe I fancy the Ukraine now. And the Ukraine-North Macedonia was a really, really entertaining one because... I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a game where you had disallowed goals, each side missed a penalty. It was eventful, if nothing else. I'm not sure they were great teams. And when the North Macedonia goalkeeper is the man of the match and it ends with them losing, you sort of wonder how close was it. But it was, if nothing else, it was eventful. And that can that can make tournament football sometimes as well. 2-1, lots of events size missing guilt edge chances it's, it's, it's entertaining look i'll say that best goal of the tournament shick oh shit not not even a you know that that's gonna take something absolutely amazing to me it, it's not just a hit and hope from you know most of those goals are a hit and hope or you know they've hit it on target and it's like bounced in that that goal's just all right and don't get me wrong, there have been some really nice goals, but yeah, no, shit. And yeah, it's not even close. I don't even really have a massive problem with Marshall's positioning for it either, because he's meant to be up a fair way to to, to kind of press the, the, the possession and that kind of situation. He's maybe a few yards further forward than he should be. He's not, but it's not like he's 20 yards further forward than he should be. So, so it, for me, uh, that is, I don't understand. I don't understand why a goalkeepers ever, ever has any business being that far out of his goal ever. Ah, well, that's my, I, I, I don't think there's ever any business for him. He, he never has any business there, but you know that I understand that's how, I that's how Davis plays. get lobbed too much. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I, I mean, I agree with you in terms of I prefer goalkeepers not to ever come out of their box, but I do understand the... the, 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 the I agree with you entirely, but when you put it in the framework of modern football, I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong, and I then start to credit Schick for the the hit. You know, he's spotted that, and it's just a transition, and he's just seen it that quickly. And known that that he's got the opportunity and hit it, and I think that's uh, he's, that's fantastic. He's not I mean, taken a touch. The ball's almost deflected out to him from 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 the back. He's not taken a touch, and you know, even then, for someone from that distance to just hit the target is not easy. Are there any final thoughts on what we've seen so far? Just more of it, please. Yeah, been enjoying it. You know, it, it's been fun. Not many stinkers, and it looks like a couple of the stinkers I missed. So, yeah. All also, good. the refereeing is so much better than the Premier League. 
Mm. Yeah, we had a little debate about one or two decisions, but that's nothing compared to the average weekend in the Premier League, is it? Exactly. Yeah, it's been it's been, it's been a breath of fresh air that we can actually talk about the football. Yeah, and Zaha's not been too bad. I mean, I still I still hate it when it's like something so minor in an offside and you you know you've got a team that's scored a goal that's almost you know technically shouldn't have been allowed which you know VAR's not been bad is what I want to say here as it has been in certain leagues and certain other tournaments it's not been so prevalent and so you know you've not come out of many games talking about VAR no and 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 that, that that's good for me but again you know like you say it could be the lever of refereeing being better you know they're not having to rely on their mistakes being corrected I think it's partly not having to rely on the mistakes being corrected I think it's also if you've got a decent standard of refereeing the video referee is going to be better whereas if you've got a poor standard of refereeing the video referee and the referee on the field are not going to have any kind of similarity in terms of what they're trying to give and that's the problem with the premier league is that you don't know what's going to be given from week to week or you didn't pre-var so now you don't know what's going to be given between the on-field ref and the var ref and that means the on-field ref very rarely has the confidence to stick with his original decision and and so it, it snowballs whereas in the other leagues you know italy's one of the most corrupt leagues in the world and there's there's that whole thing of you know of course it's a penalty if you're playing for juventus but generally when it isn't those top teams playing they all have a fairly consistent idea of what a foul is i don't think we have that in england for all sorts of cultural reasons and that's why the premier league has been so bad with it but thankfully as you say we're lucky that we haven't really been experiencing that at the euros and um in many ways these tournaments are what var is made for because a league will average itself out to a large degree but these tournaments these decisions can be massive and they can turn knockout rounds so easily Right then, if everyone has uh, had their say on that, we will be back in a few days with another roundup of some of the action in the remaining group games. There's plenty set up, and judging by the way things look at the moment, if things play out as we are expecting, there could be some really interesting second-round games. There's there's a possibility for a Netherlands-Germany game. There's a possibility for the Czechs versus Slovakia, which would obviously be another local derby. You know, Wales look like they could repeat their uh, 2016 heroics. So, yeah, uh, plenty to look forward to. And this tournament is just getting going. And it's so much better than 2016 already, which is uh, just a breath of fresh air. So until next time when we're back, and we'll hopefully have a full compliment then. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.